0: Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Anne, and your team for your amazing welcome. It's always a real treat to come here. I often come when Rachel, thank you so much, when, uh, when Rachel is speaking, simply because I enjoy being here. And uh, it's nice to, to come up and uh, just be amongst like-minded and like-hearted people. How many of you just feel that encouragement when you walk into a place like this? And the reason is it's because it's prepared It's because it's a place that's prayed in. It's a place that's loved. It's a place that people have always worshipped God. But also, it's a place that's well prepared before you come in. And it was such an encouragement to be able to come up and just be with the team as they prayed for you. So tonight is special simply because it's a place prepared for you to meet with Jesus. How many are up for that? (laughs) And I just love this subject of kindness. And it got me thinking, actually. I wonder what you think of when you think of kindness. Maybe think of someone who you think is kind. Or think of an experience you've had where someone has been kind to you. And how that left you feeling. Or maybe think of the opposite. Where you experienced something unkind. And how that left you feeling. Kindness, although in a sense understated very often is actually an incredible, powerful tool. And I want to unpack some of that tonight. But as I began to think of it and think of this title that actually Rachel picked, kindness, a powerful language. And thank you, Anne, for releasing Rachel. I know that this meeting is one of Rachel's absolute favorite meetings to come to and the reason I can say that is because Mondays are usually her day off but whenever she gets the email from Anne saying would you come and speak at streams there is absolutely no hesitation she's always a yes and that's an absolute truth and there are I think two or three ministries where she will do that, <laughs> and but the downside of that is her family also know that Monday is usually a safe bet that she might be around. And so what happened was her grandson, uh, her grandson, her son-in-law who lives in Australia, married to her daughter in in Melbourne. Um, he was coming through England at very short notice on his way to Sweden, and so he contacted her at the start of the week and said. I know Monday's your day off. Can I come and stay overnight before I have to nip back to the airport and go to Sweden and see you? And he hasn't been able to visit the UK and their home in the UK for five years. So that was a very special thing, and that hence the change of plan at the last minute, which Rachel doesn't normally do. But thank you for being understanding and being kind. (laughs) But kindness. I wonder what, what you do feel. And I was thinking about this and thinking... Kindness, a powerful language, and is it actually more of a dead language? A forgotten language? Is it a language that we've become less fluent in, in our community, and in our society? And I got thinking about how people respond to kindnesses. It's that thing of you smile to encourage someone in the street or to greet them in the street. And it's almost taken as an offensive weapon. You know, why are you smiling at me? And as a woman, if you smile, especially at a guy, it's like, what, you know, what are you after? What do you want? And it's almost like, I just smiled. <laughs> and that's a simple thing. But if you then go to do something kind, you're almost seen as interfering. And Britain has been well known for many, many centuries as the place of etiquette and manners. And you know, we, we understand how to behave in public. But we've lost some of that in our culture and society. And so now, for example, particularly as women, if, some, if a man opens the door for you and lets you through, it's almost seen as like you know the, the feminist rises up and you sort of think, well, why is he holding the door? I can manage. And there's that reaction in society sometimes. It's like interfering so-and-so. What are you doing? Or patronizing. And actually an act of kindness or consideration can sometimes be taken the wrong way and our societies become a little bit hardened and very often when we think of kindness we think well to be honest I don't see very much of it when I travel in the United States we love to sort of smile about our American cousins any Americans here before I'm <laughs> Chuck me out now. I actually love America, but <laughs> I'm preempting this. <laughs> but we often smile about our American cousins of, you know, the have a good day and the kindnesses and the, the almost exuberant. We call it in Britain over the top compliments that they give you, and we say, is it a bit false, actually? You know, is it a bit OTT? You know, just it's it just let's just be be downsize it a little bit and be more British. But actually, when I travel there, I realize there is a kindness in the culture and society that is a kind of, it's a warmth, it's a friendliness. And sometimes when I come back and get off the plane in Britain at Heathrow, I'm shocked. I'm taken aback in the first five minutes where people are swearing around me and pushing and shoving to get off the plane. And it's kind of like, ouch, and it hurts. It's harsh. And I wonder sometimes whether we've got used to a harsher way of life, but whether tonight God wants to remind us that kindness is a very precious thing. Kindness is a treasure that we have been gifted and we shouldn't lose. Do we need to become more fluent? Do we need to regain this dead language of kindness and start to use it again? I'm interested in the political scene a little bit. And um, I suppose you must live on a different planet if you haven't seen a little bit of what's going on in America with Donald Duck. No, Trump. Sorry. And, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we're looking at this in great anticipation of what might happen over the summer and then into November as the, the election season goes on and on and on. But I'm interested that when President Obama was elected, he picked up two words which were almost the prophetic sounds of the nation, hope and change. And this year, it's been interesting if you had ears to hear some of the sounds that are appearing in the campaigns, which actually, interestingly, Hillary Clinton has picked up. And she said, our society needs more compassion and kindness. And those were the sounds she picked up. Now, I don't believe that a politician can be the answer. I believe Jesus is the real answer. But I believe there's something there where she's picked up the cry of a people. We need more compassion. We need more tenderness. We need more kindness. So what is this kindness and what is it biblically? Biblically. For those of us who maybe have been around church at some time during our lives, we might know that kindness crops up in the Bible in the list of the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Kindness in that list of the fruit of a life that is rooted in... In the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that by our fruit, we will be known. That if we evidence something of the fruit of a selfish heart, we will be known as not belonging to God. But if we evidence some of these fruits of the Holy Spirit, by our fruit, people will know that we honor and belong to God. Powerful stuff. And God in his wisdom, he could have chosen a lot of different things, but God in his wisdom placed kindness amongst these nine fruits. That should tell us how much God values kindness. So what is this biblical kindness? Well, it literally in its root word comes from the word which we don't use so much in in England in these days, but kin, kinship, kindness from kin, kith and kin. And it basically means a word that that really is the loving behavior of people who are in relationship with one another. In our older versions of the Bible, kindness is often translated loving kindness. Because it expresses that the relationship between people should be one of love and of kindness. Loving kindness. Kindness. Some of the different definitions that I found you might find interesting. The steadfast love that maintains relationships through gracious help towards someone, even in times of need, or especially in times of need. Goodness of heart, serviceable, gracious, pleasant. Others defined kindness as the love for mankind, hospitality, acts of kindness, a readiness to help, goodness in action, sweetness of disposition. And this one I really liked as a definition, the ability to act for the welfare of those taxing your patients. I like that one. <laughs> but you see, even within that, though we laugh and I laughed, it's because I recognize in myself that I find it really easy to be kind to someone I like. But oh boy, someone who taxes your patience And kindness in the heart of God goes beyond kindness towards someone you like. It's the ability to extend that same gift and grace of kindness to someone you actually don't like very much. It's an atmosphere you create of saying, I want to be in fellowship, in relationship with you. And that's why it's a powerful fruit to have in church. How many of you have ever met, I won't ask you to put your hand up, but how many of you have ever met someone in church that you haven't actually liked very much? Are we allowed to say that in church? (laughs) Maybe. I have. And you see, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the family of believers, in the fellowship of faith, places kindness at the center. Kindness is a powerful tool we have. So here are a few thoughts. I've got three thoughts about what kindness is, the way God understands it. Number one, kindness is heaven's love language. Kindness is heaven's love language. Kindness is really part of the character and the very nature of who God is. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with loving kindness. Jeremiah 9 and verse 24, let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. If you're going to boast, boast that you know that God And how does he reveal himself? A God of kindness. A God of justice and of righteousness. We often think of, yeah, he reveals himself as a holy God. A God of righteousness and of justice. But you see, God in this scripture sees fit to put it together with kindness. A just judge. But oh, he doesn't stop there. He's a God of loving kindness. And he said, boast that you're in relationship with me. A God of kindness. I want to ask you maybe an uncomfortable question tonight of, do you know this God? Do you know this God who's kind? What is the face of God to you? Is He kind? You see, life can be tough and harsh, and we toughen up to get on with it, the stiff upper lip, to survive. But God says, I'm kind. Do you know God as the kind father who longs for you, whose very nature is to be kin in in relationship with you and to demonstrate that through kindness, loving kindness? You see, kindness is God's love language towards you. And that's how he wants us to understand who he is. Isaiah 54 and verse 8 says, in a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. Very often we're aware when we come into the presence of a holy God that we've fallen short. How many of you have ever felt, yeah, I, I've, I've messed up. I've made some mistakes. I'm not proud of them, especially when you come into a meeting, you come into a worship place. And sometimes you can be aware of that. And very often the enemy sells us the lie. God isn't pleased with you. God is angry with you. And he reveals the face of an angry judge who finds you wanting. But God says, yeah, sin makes me angry for a moment. But because I'm in relationship, my everlasting kindness is the thing we should be left with at the end of the day. Not the anger, the everlasting kindness. You see, everlasting kindness always outweighs God's disapproval of the wrong choices that we make. And I wonder if there were scales in that sense. And you had God's displeasure on one side and his loving kindness on the other. Which way has it tipped for you? The Bible says it, the weighty side this his loving kindness. He is so kind and so loving towards you. Time after time, the Bible showed that we always messed up. Hosea chapter 11 and verse 4, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. What a beautiful picture of God's loving care. You see, his very love language is kindness. It's kindness that satisfies the hunger inside us. Kindness that feeds us. Kindness that bends down and lifts the heavy weight of depression and despair. Kindness. This kindness changes us. If we really let it impact our lives, it changes us. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 it says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? tolerance and patience, not realizing that actually it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, to change. Very often in our society, if people are kind, they're seen as weak. It's a little bit of a sort of, maybe it's a a girly thing. It's a bit weak, but far from it. God said it's the power for change. My loving kindness. Don't show contempt for it, but value it. For it's my kindness that leads to change. I wonder what you feel has led you to a place of change in your life. Or I wonder whether there are areas of your life tonight where you think, I wish I could find the ability to change this, to find breakthrough. Do you know that there's a clue in this scripture? Actually, To break those bad patterns of behavior. Those things you know are not the greatest choices. To really break through. To find the courage and the strength to get free of addictions. To find the courage to change our attitudes. That are not always that loving towards people around us or family members. To find that strength. We do no worse than to come into a place where the atmosphere is an atmosphere of kindness. God says, I want to put a canopy of kindness over you because it's that kindness that will lead you to change. It's that kindness that led Jesus to the cross. The kindness of God, that God paid the price for my mistakes. Kindness. That is God's love language. You might have heard the story of a mother who once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. And the emperor replied to her that actually her son had messed up and he'd committed a crime, the same crime, twice. And so the punishment was definitely death. And there could be no way around it. And that justice would therefore be served if he was put to death. And the mother explained, but I'm not looking for justice, sir. I'm asking you for mercy. And Napoleon says, but your son doesn't deserve mercy. And the woman said, it wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it. Mercy is all I'm asking for. And when the emperor heard that, he said, wow, then I will give you mercy. You see, that is what God has done with us. We didn't deserve it, but his kindness gave us mercy. Sometimes we're a little bit fearful of that kind of powerful kindness. Sometimes we think we need to be, as our society says, cruel to be kind. But God says, that's a nonsense. You can't be cruel to be kind. And you see, in God, he holds together justice and kindness, truth and grace. It's his love language to us. And it brings us real change. Mark Twain said, kindness is a language which even the deaf can hear and the blind can see. It's powerful. It's tangible. I want to show you a couple of pictures. This is a wonderful place that we go in, Moldova. Moldova is a tiny little nation sandwiched between uh, Romania and the Ukraine. And it's officially Europe's poorest nation. It's also, unfortunately, the sex trafficking capital of Europe. In the last five years, they reckon about 600,000 women and children have been trafficked through this tiny little nation of no more than 2.5 million people. It's a horrendous place to be. It's Europe, but it's one of the poorest nations I've ever experienced. And I grew up in the Middle East and have ministered in India, and this pretty well surpasses anything I've seen in those countries. A lot of the villages there have no running water, no electricity, and this is Europe. And one of the things that happens is when the women have been used and abused and thrown back into their villages, nobody wants them because they can't earn a living anymore. They're not useful. And so these precious ladies, these are some of the older people, but actually anyone from the age of 55 plus who's no longer of use is thrown back into these villages and left basically to die. And a dear woman that we've had the privilege of partnering with, her name's Sharon, has picked up these older ladies and put them in a home, a refuge, a place of dignity. And all she's done really is to be kind to them. She's given them care. She's mopped up their wounds. Many of them are riddled with diseases, you can imagine. And she's provided a safe place where they can live out their years with dignity. This dear woman, Lisa, one of the older members in that home, is blind from syphilis. She's lost everything. She was found living in a little hovel, really surviving if someone left her bread and water at the gate where she lived. And she was picked up and put in this home. And this is Rachel, my colleague, alongside Lisa. And because we don't speak the language, um, and also she can't see facial expressions what we did was to just touch her, hold her, stroke her back. And she was like a little pussycat. She'd almost purr, just feeling the warmth of a touch that she didn't have to pay for. It was so precious. But a simple thing like a hug broke something in her. And from a woman who wouldn't give you eye contact she couldn't see you but she wouldn't give you eye contact would always drop her head would always feel the shame she began to smile and laugh and now fills that place with such a sense of joy she's amazing but it was simple kindness that broke the power of all her shame and has brought change in her life quite amazing when I was preparing this I felt that God wanted to do that for some of us You see, the lack of kindness often isolates us in a place of loneliness and a place of brokenness. And many of us have never experienced kindness in our lives. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, some of us have actually experienced so far the opposite that we've been almost used, abused, hurt by unkind words or the lack of words And tonight, God wants to heal that. He wants to minister to you. But he also wants you to experience that freedom from the shame and the pain. And to release forgiveness to those who've been unkind to you. And as you do that, like Lisa, you will not only find that you're broken out of your loneliness and your place of isolation. But you'll come to a place where you know the kindness of God for you. And I believe that will lead to transformation. But we need to be brave. Kindness is God's love language. Number two, kindness is the language of any true relationship. It's very clear from the Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It said, David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? If you remember, David and Jonathan were the bestest of friends. They were in covenant together. And David understood something about a God who was covenanted in relationship with him and how that meant that he could be in covenant and relationship with other people. And many people through the years have tried to put a, a sexual innuendo on this relationship because they haven't understood how can two guys be that close without it being kind of, you know, sexual or gay or something because we've so lost the ability to understand true relationship. And here, David says, for for my friend, my best friend, Jonathan's sake, I will even be kind to people in Saul's household. Now, Saul was the king who wanted to kill David, if you remember. And it's like David says, I'm in relationship with this family. I'm here on their behalf. And so for the sake of true relationship, I will evidence what it means to be in relationship as I understand it biblically. That's powerful. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 4. If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice, their faith into practice, by caring for their own family. True relationship means we go the extra mile and show kindness to those in our families. That's sometimes the hardest thing those closest to us, those who tax our patience. (laughs) Those we struggle to relate to. But tonight I believe that there's a special grace that God would want to give us to find that fruit of kindness, to extend it even to our family members, even to those we find the hardest, the most difficult. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say that there are one or two here tonight who find it hard to extend that kindness, especially to unsaved husbands. People you've really wrestled with and for. And tonight God will give you a gift of grace. To find that kindness afresh. Colossians 3. Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness. What a picture. You know, think of yourself leaving the house Hat, gloves, coat, scarf, it's got cold again, and kindness. Put on kindness. I love that picture. It's a wonderful reminder that every time we go out to relate to the world, we should put on that cloak of kindness. Clothe yourself with loving kindness. It's a powerful, powerful language. Someone once said, and the author's unknown, kindness is just love with its work boots on. Basically, kindness is love in action. You see, kindness has to be expressed. Kindness is not something you think, oh yeah, I've got the fruit of kindness, great, tick the box. No, kindness has to be expressed. It's love in our hands and feet. It's love that relates. That's why it's about true relationship. You have to exercise kindness. And because it's God's loving kindness, it always overflows in generosity. Always. Anne mentioned earlier about the need for some help with the building, the new building. I want to say to you, I want to, and she didn't underline it that much, but I want to underline it on their behalf. You know, if we're in relationship with this ministry, if we're in relationship with streams and with the well... Part of relationship is that we go the extra mile. We go over and above. We go beyond and we extend kindness. And some of that kindness, well, all of that kindness has to be expressed. We can't just say, Anne, fantastic, we're with you and your team, great, bye. No, it has to be expressed. There has to be an outward expression of our relationship. It's love in action. It's love with our work boots on. And the question is, how are we going to model that? How are we going to model that amongst each other? You see, it's God's love language, but it's also the language of true relationship. And it is so powerful. And thirdly and finally, this kindness makes your life productive. Most of us want to leave a legacy of some sort. We want our life to count. We don't want to have been here on earth and never left a footprint and made a difference. And some of us think, well, the difference I could make is so small. I mean, it it just doesn't make any imprint at all. But can I just say to you, kindness is one of the gifts that we've got in our hands, which can make a powerful impact for eternity. Because kindness is of eternal value. It's not something temporary. It's something which impacts people and lasts because it's of God. And if you can leave an imprint of kindness in someone else's life, you're leaving a legacy that outlives you. Because what it produces is change in the person you're impacting. I want to ask you, can you be creative in thinking about ways that you could impact this community or your community, wherever you've come from, with kindness in this next week, in this next month? I want to show you a short video clip, and then I'll come back and finish off here.
1: Thank you for choosing Chick-fil-A. This is Hannah, how may I serve you? It can be a routine, car after car. 2284 at the window. Order after order. But on Monday night, one customer's request put a screech on all operations.
0: Everyone was like totally stunned.
1: A man drove up to Chick-fil-A and ordered his food. Sounds normal, right? Yes, uh That is, until he had to pay. Here's 10 $100 bills. I'd like to pay for everybody else in the line and for the next one hour he bought everybody's meal this random yet generous act would help serve 88 people team leader dusty wolf was there and understandably she was shocked
0: i was like did you win the lottery today like why are you doing this he's like well mondays are tough i just want to make Everyone have a good day. Like, I just want to help them have a good day.
1: It was still a jackpot for the many customers behind him. Paying it forward is common, but $1,000, well, that has people rubbing their heads.
0: Like, some of them thought it was a joke. Like, they can't even take their food. They're just like, what?
1: Or cheering with joy. Kids last night in the back just going,
0: yay!
1: If anything, customers weren't prepared to order okay, their food 7, with a side of random kindness. The eight of the 12 piece, sir. We had a lady who had had, gosh, just an awful day. She received it. We told her what was going on and just started crying on the drive-thru. The man, who we only know as John, may have done an anonymous gesture, but the impact ripples far beyond 88 people. We need to think about other people, not just ourselves, and that uh, putting a little bit of joy in someone's life uh, unexpectedly is a real blessing. And if there's one thing to sum up how people view this mystery man, it's this. You're the man.
0: Hannah, how many heard you? It was Texas for you. <laughs> £1,000 pay for everybody's dinner today. Why? Because it's Monday and Mondays are hard. I love that. A random act of kindness. And, you know, sometimes we say random, but actually I wonder whether if as the people of God we were mobilised in intentional acts of kindness, how our society and our world and our communities would change. Powerful acts that bring transformation, that show what it really means to relate You know, I read recently, someone said, you know, Facebook generation and everything, you know, we're all living for likes, but what we're really wanting is love. That's quite powerful. Actually, we relate at one level. I've got 500 and whatever friends on Facebook, but do I know any of them? Do I really relate? Is there anything kind about the deposit I can leave in their lives? And that man, well, he did it as an anonymous random act of kindness. But I wonder tonight whether God wants to just release through his army, his kindness army, a whole new grace to transform our communities. You see, there's something powerful about when we begin to model who God is on earth. We are his hands and feet. And as we extend our hands, they can see Jesus in us. I'll finish with this story. There's a lady I go to for um, sort of hair and that sort of thing, you know, at a salon. And um, I'll call her Ruth. And she's a a lady who is on a journey with God. And um, she was going on maternity leave. And so um, she's having having her her first baby and she's not married and she's on a journey with a boyfriend. And, you know, it's all kind of normal life. And she's chatting to me and she knows I'm a Christian and she knows that Jesus means something to me. And she's sometimes a little bit shy about what she shares. And slowly, slowly, she's begun to share more and more of her life. I think sometimes expecting I might disapprove of some of her choices. But actually, she's a wonderful person and really gifted and good at what she does. And so when she left to go on maternity leave, um, I just prayed. And I just said, God, I I really want her to know that you love her, that you really, really love her. I appreciate her for, you know, her skill and her whatever, but that you really love her and that you care for her. And that as she goes to have her baby, you're watching over her. So what could I give her? And I felt Jesus just ask me to buy a couple of things for her. One of those was a book. It was a little devotional for people who are on a journey with God. And the second thing was a a voucher for a a baby shop, a very specific one in Oxford. And I thought, oh, well, (laughs) whatever that means. And also just a little gift for her personally. And um, I put these together and put them in a little bag, gift bag, and I gave them to her. And then later on in the day, I got a text message back from her. And the text message, if I can find it, was this. And I wrote a card to go along with it. And she said, hi, Helen, thank you so much for the card that you wrote and all the kind words. And thank you for the generous gifts. Wow, what a treat. And thank you for saying that Jesus really loves me. Now, I was a bit cautious about that one because I thought it's such the Christian cliche. Jesus loves you. Smile, you know. And I thought, shall I, shan't I? I'm not very good at this sort of thing, but I felt God say, get over it just do it. <laughs> and I so I did. And she said, thank you. And she said, and what I can't believe is you seem to know me so well because the book you bought is absolutely what I need right now. And the voucher is from my, and she put my fave shop, baby shop of all time. How did you know? So I texted back and I owned up and I said, well, I didn't, but Jesus did. And I think he really loves you. And I think he really knows you. And she texted back and she said, yeah, you know, I think he really does. How would he know that? And she's been on a journey and she invited me to her wedding and she's now actually given her life to Jesus. And she and her boyfriend have got married and they've given their lives to Jesus and they've just had their second baby and been on maternity leave again. And it's been a bit of a journey. But a very simple thing. And I believe, you see, if we have receive the heart of Jesus' kindness within us, he's going to give us really creative ways to begin to be kind to those around us. We don't have those ideas, but if we're willing hands and feet, he's going to give us creative ways. And part of what I feel God wants to do tonight is to anoint you for creativity and kindness and to give you those ideas, those random, in inverted commas, Ideas that are going to be the key of breakthrough for many. You see, God says that his main tool for evangelism, in other words, for reaching people and showing them how much he cares for them. His main tool of evangelism is kindness. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And very often churches put together, you know, the 10 steps for evangelism and our plan for the next five years. And we overcomplicate it. And God just says, you could go a long way by just being kind. Powerful language, kindness, but a lost art. And so tonight, there are different levels, really. And in a moment, I'm going to hand back to Anne. But for some of us, I really, really believe that God wants to heal us. To set us free where we've just not experienced kindness for a very, very long time. And some of us may be like Lisa, different circumstances, but we're locked into a place of loneliness, brokenness and isolation, simply because no one's taken the time to be kind. And in that sense, we are victims, maybe the wrong word, but we are a product of a harsh society that's hardened to kindness. And I believe the streams for you tonight Streams of loving kindness that Jesus just wants to pour into you afresh and set you free. For others of us, we know that kindness. If I asked you for a testimony of kindness, you'd immediately think of something. But tonight, God's saying it's not just about you receiving, but it's about you giving. It's about you extending your hand of kindness to those around you so that you can be amazed At how God's kindness through you can bring incredible change. And I believe you'll be incredibly amazed at the breakthrough that will happen in relationships because of this. And for you tonight, it might just be come and receive an anointing for creativity and kindness. It's such an adventure with God. And if you're like me and you're not a natural evangelist, It's so encouraging when Jesus just deposits a little idea. Why not buy that person flowers or that voucher for a baby shop and you haven't got a clue what it means to them? But Jesus has. How many of us could do that? Just a cup of coffee. Pay for someone's dinner, maybe not a thousand pounds worth, maybe a thousand pounds worth. Pay for that loo at the well. What a fantastic thing that every time you turn up to the well meeting, you think, that's my loo. That's wonderful. That's my loo. (laughs) And I'm sharing it, aren't I? Kind. (laughs) Have you ever thought of that? Share a loo day. Fantastic. Have you got a ladies coffee morning? Let's buy a loo for the well. Brilliant. Anne, I think I better stop. (laughs) I'm losing the plot here. (laughs) Kindness. Shall we pray? And then I'm going to hand to Anne.